We've got a bumper news episode today. We've got quite a few news items to get through because obviously parks are going to be reopening in only a matter of weeks now. It's getting very exciting. And of course, lots of news is coming out of the parks. So we're going to be talking about the Pepsi Max big one. The retrack has been done. We're going to be talking about the possible delay to inversion at Flamingoland. We're going to be talking about the Flying Theatre that's coming to Legoland, Windsor. We'll also be talking about the new ride which is coming to Fantasy Island. And finally, Sam is going to talk us through some of the latest news at Disney World, including some news around the use of facial recognition. So, let's get into it. Just before we start, Brett and Sam, do you want to just introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Brett. Uh, you can find me at all the, the social media stuff, but my Instagram is uh, Theme Parts by Brett, where you can find all of my theme park related artwork and other things that I get up to. Um, and I'm so happy to still be here as a regular guest on the Theme Park Loopy chat. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. I think um, I think we might upgrade you to uh, co-host, I think, if you're good. I like that. Co-host. Co-host sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, you don't okay. get a you don't get a pay rise, but Do you not. Oh, okay. No, no. So. At least you know, it's it's good for the CV. It's good for the CV. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, what's up? It's Sam from Coaster Sam Blog. You can keep up to date with everything happening over on Instagram at Coaster Sam Blog, where we have reviews, opinion pieces, and our very own trivia game show. And we're also now on YouTube as well. Uh, so check us out there, Coaster Sam Blog, as well for that one. So in case you didn't guess. Um, and sorry, do I get this upgrade or do I get a downgrade? No. No, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. I thought as much. I don't deserve. Well, as as a co-host, I can make those decisions now, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe some you can be second co-host or something. Like oh, that. that's oh, lovely. Thank no, you. You um, can be co-host A, and I'll be co-host one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds do good. I, do I get to um, sit at the end of Brett's bed and massage his feet? Um, no. As as co-host, <laughs> as I mean, second co-host. Yeah, yeah. I I could. I could go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> on on that bombshell, um, <laughs> let, let's move on. So, the Pepsi Max big one, uh, or it's just actually the big one these days, but I still like to call it the Pepsi Max big one because yeah. the, ca- the can is still there. So, you know, let's go with that. Um, it's had a bit of a retrack, not a full retrack, but it's been they've been retracking it for a few years now. It's had some of the key areas retracked. And today we've actually seen some testing. And we've also seen Andy Highgate. He's been on there on the front row, giving it a go, looking like he's having a great time. So what do we think about the big one retract? Do you think it's going to be a little bit smoother, a little bit more interesting, or just more of the same, do you think? I think the retract was probably necessary rather than let's make it smoother. I think it was just something that due to wear and tear it has to be done um i don't think it's being done in the places that we need it i in terms of you know if we wanted a nice new slick uh retrack i don't think uh where where's it being retracked the the bottom of of what maybe the third drop you know it's it, i never thought oh that bit really needs a retrack i kind of think there's a, a few areas that are a bit bumpier than others, but obviously that's not that's not what kind of people look at when it comes to wear and tear of a an actual engineer. 
whether whether we think it's bumpy or not. Yeah, I'm all about personally preserving um, our kind of heritage, our British theme park and coaster heritage. I love that, and I think that's very much a, a kind of a part of Blackpool Pleasure Beach's brand is the the classic coasters and and you know looking at the feats of engineering that we had all those years ago when when coasters first reached our shores and that entertainment um avenue becoming a thing so the fact that they are putting the work in they're retracking those um those bits that they're doing and making it perhaps a bit smoother and a bit more of an enjoyable ride and it's going to stick around for a lot longer you know and the big one is is a solid part of of our theme park heritage we've, we've spoken about it before on the show um that if it arguably if it wasn't for the big one then the uk really wouldn't be in the spotlight when it comes to theme parks or attractions but now certainly within europe arguably within the world the big one really put us on the map and we've spoken about that before so absolutely i'm glad that it's getting preserved and um and i can't wait to give it another go yeah, because um, Stephen from Frill Max on our last episode, on our video episode, he talked about Mac retracking the big one. But if they did that, it just wouldn't be the same, would it? So I, I think they just need to keep replacing like for like. And I think it, it's about that tradition. It's about that arrow feel. If that went away, I'd, I, I just wouldn't see the point of it being the big one anymore. Yeah, I actually saw a while ago someone recreated on uh, no limits um they recreated the big one but with as if it b&m had made it and one thing they did do which i thought was really strange is they just replaced where the track is now with b&m track and i thought okay that's weird that you wouldn't you know go for bigger airtime hills you know where where you get really nice b&m floater hyper style uh, airtime um, so instead, they they basically just did the track where the track normally would go, but as a B and M hypercoaster, and it it led me to think, oh, that actually doesn't do anything. That there's no difference to the ride experience, really. You know, we're not going to get more airtime if you replace the track with a with a Mac track. You're not going to get more. You know, it, okay, it might be overall smoother, but I mean. It, it's like Sam said, it's, it, I guess it's part of the charm of, of Blackpool Pleasure Beach at this point. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Okay, so the next news item is uh, um, Inversion. Oh, we think it's going to be called Inversion. I think we've decided that it's called Inversion, but the I and the O is actually a 10, if that makes sense. At Flamingoland is potentially delayed. I don't think this is any surprise but we've seen the park map at flamingo land it previously said new for 2021 now it doesn't say new for 2021 anymore um and also looking at the park map uh, velocity is is a lot more prominent on the park map although i think the park map is the same really as the year before but i thought it was odd that it was a lot more prominent so what do we think is this um is this a problem that it's delayed or do you think Flamingoland is, um, you know, right to, to keep delaying it? Also, it looks like Flamingoland are going to be staggering their opening again a little bit. So they're not going to have a full opening from the beginning. You know, do we do we think this is good from Flamingoland or do you think they might struggle for crowds a little bit? I did see the staggered opening, which uh, 
it didn't look great. It didn't entice me to go to the park as soon as I can. Um, as for as for the ten inversion coaster, yeah, I don't think any of us are really surprised that it you know it's not opening again. It's similar to how uh, we saw Valhalla push back another year with its retheme. So I, I think it's it's just one of those things they want to make sure that that arguably one of the biggest coasters we've had built here in the last ten years is is you know it has a full season for people to enjoy. Uh, so I, I I get that decision for them to put it back another year if that's what they've decided to do. I think it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you know there's no denying that this last year has been horrendous for the industry, and we've spoken about that enough, so we don't need to go down that road again. Um, but parks are having to do whatever they can do to even open the gates. And I think if Flamingo Land right now were just wanting to focus on getting their numbers back up, getting their visitor and their footfall uh, back in, and seeing some of perhaps making some of that money back that they've unfortunately perhaps lost over the last year, then that makes sense. And they must have a million and one reasons why they haven't chosen to open it with it being such a large, big investment to the to the area. Um, yeah, it is a shame, obviously, but it's just another thing to look forward to for the 2022 season, I guess. Have we confirmed that it's definitely not yellow and red and it is going to be painted all grey? Yeah, because in the planning application, it's not yellow and red. So I think they'd have to put in a new planning application, I would have thought, if they wanted to change that, I think. I guess Um, part of me was hoping for a McDonald's rebrand. So the entire (laughs) coaster is grey? Yeah, I think they, they wanted to paint the track like a silver and then potentially a darker grey, was it, for the supports? And I, I don't know if that's... That's a strange exci- choice. Yeah, it's not very exciting. Because I think what confirmed as well that they were painting, obviously, that colour, was that they recently painted the the quite nice turquoisey blue colour of the supports for Velocity right next door. They painted them a silver. And I don't know what it is uh, about Flamingoland always doing something to dull down their rides, whether it's cut <laughs> off seats or paint them grey... Um, oh, speaking of uh, rides that have been cut off seats, uh, flip uh, that we should probably add to this new segment. Flip Flop is up for sale. Mm, I did see recently. that. Um, so that's a, a Fabry um, kind of swing ride. Uh, it, it did used to have a complete round full of seats, but they they cut half of them off, so it's now more in a kind of star shape. Yeah, I think it is it a Fabry top swing. Is it? Is that is that the actual model name? Yeah, I knew it was Fabry. Yeah, um, yeah, Flip Flop is a very intense ride. Um, it was I always very it. yeah, it was very intense. Uh, gave off some really big forces, but I can imagine those forces not really being compatible with the the engineering required uh, for the ride to keep it running all the time. So I can I can understand why they needed to reduce the weight a little bit. Because when it hangs in the air, it must put a lot of pressure on the, on the workings. And but I mean, it, it was Fabry obviously designed it that way, and and there are other similar models. So I, I don't know what's gone wrong with flip flop, but yeah, like they say, the the other year they they cut off a number of the seats, so it's not a full circle anymore, and um, and now it's up for sale. So it they mustn't they mustn't be very confident about being able to get it running. Or it must be just costing too much to run. So, 
it's a real shame though because it's such an iconic ride in that part of the park when when we went sam you, you didn't see flip-flop running did you but mm, you know no. when when the water's when the water in the splash area is flying and it's a sunny day and the fountains are on on flip-flop and it's sort of flying up and down you know it's it's um it's spectacular in, in a way um mm. and i think it fits the park so well so i'm so disappointed to see flip-flop going back I can only hope that it's going to have a, a suitable replacement. It, it was one of those rides that I was really, really, really gutted that wasn't open because it's it's up there in terms of the thrill rides at the park. It is absolutely up there as a thrilling flat. And like, again, like we've spoken about before on the show, the one thing that the UK is perhaps lacking now is some serious thrilling Fairground flats. rides. Yeah, I agree. Well, not so much fairground rides, but like. Just, Sorry, I was just... I was uh, interrupting with. I'm still sour about the fairground rides at Alton Towers. We need a jumper, jumper. <laughs> Unless we get a jumper, jumper, then I just don't know what we're doing. Uh, you know what? We need DJ Brett to get <laughs> to get back on that <laughs> break dance and just. <laughs> Generally, please, can we all go on a break dance all together after a few beers and just have a good time? That'd be great. <laughs> I feel like if we went on a breakdance after a few beers, we're not going to have a great time. So. <laughs> I could just imagine Ryan clinging on to this side of this, <laughs> this breakdance, just absolutely I, feeling yeah. so dizzy and queasy. I have to admit, I am not. I'm not a massive fan of breakdances. However, um, the, just doing I don't his know. Cough. Yeah, there is a version um, like a breakdance at um, Lightwater Valley, which is like the powder kegs ride, and there's one similar at Port Aventura, and it's basically a breakdance. I don't think it is like official. It's not actually a breakdance, but it's just a very similar ride. Mm. I don't know. I don't really know these types of rides, so I might be talking rubbish. So um, I quite enjoy those, but the really intense breakdances that you see in fairground rides, I have ridden them in the past. I think I actually rode one uh, in Rill, actually, at the fun fair there. I'm sure I did. I might have uh, imagined it. But in the past, I've found them thrilling, but I'm, I'm not so sure. But, you know, let's have a few drinks and let's see if we have a great time. But I think yeah, we might uh, have a slightly ill time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be so much fun, just th- the, the three of us all crammed inside a, inside a uh, breakdance and just go flying around. That would be great fun. <laughs> so do, do we think that, that flip-flop... Uh, would potentially go to another UK park. That doesn't seem to be the, the the ongoing thing at the minute. I've noticed that if anything ever gets sold in the UK, it tends to go abroad. Um, but how nice would it be for, you know, we're, we're laughing and joking about these fairground rides at Alton Towers and stuff, but uh, how nice would it be for them to go, oh, wow, these fairground rides went down pretty well. Let's buy Flip Flop. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I, yeah, I don't think Alton Towers are going to buy Flip Flop. I think if... Any ride went to Alton Towers. I could see Eagle's Claw going to Alton Towers. Mm. What 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 I think Eagle's Claw is quite a compact ride. Flip Flop is a very big ride. Um, actually, it's got a big footprint. Eagle's Claw is quite it's quite contained. Um, so I think, for example, they could take out Blade. Uh, they could maybe use that pit area, and maybe Flip Flop could go in there, and it, and it wouldn't go above the trees then. Um, so I'd like to see that, but again, that is basically replacing 
blade with with another ride, so it's not really. Also, addition, is it? it would so. also be removing the oldest ride on tower still standing. Yeah, but I, d- I don't think it should be there just because it's the oldest ride. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I actually think as far as uh, pirate ships go, it's probably the worst in the country. It's yeah. it's it's not great. It's not great. Uh, no. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you kind of want to hold on to that heritage, but equally, it, it does seem to just sit there quite a lot of the times with, with never a very long line. And I just feel like something else could go in its space that would be much more exciting and a bit more of a upgrade because pirate ships just i don't know you're like eagle's claw because if you um especially if you compare eagle's claw to vortex at fort park i was very disappointed with vortex i don't know if it's um the how they run it what mode they run it on or whether that is the capabilities of the ride but it it was not a patch on Eagle's Claw. Eagle's Claw was really really fun. Um, not not. Is so that much because vortex. the the vortex sequence doesn't kind of spend enough time at its kind of max? Uh, I don't know what you at its max cycle. You know, and it goes right up in the air, so you're almost upside down. Is it because it doesn't spend? Because I've noticed in some previous seasons, um, they the sequence is like you just almost hit that peak of like the max where you're almost upside down and you'd maybe do like two more spins or two more swings and then it would the sequence would you know slow down and stop so is it because mm. of the sequencing of the ride or is it something different yeah so from memory i remember going on vortex and it got to its full swing and maybe did two and then finished um with eagle's claw mm. from the cycle that i remember doing on it doing it last i think it did its full swing kept going a few times, slowed down, and then did another cycle. Mm. So you basically got two cycles out of it. Uh, And I think it was... um, I don't even know if it was on a set cycle because we went on it quite early in the morning and it was pretty quiet. And I think we got quite a long cycle on it. Um, So, yeah, partly. But but I think that's a Fort Park thing. I think we're going to have to talk about this another day. But um, if you look at Samurai, for example, uh, you know, for a top scan... It's run very timidly, um, so it's it's not as exciting as it as it could be. So, but yeah, um, but Eagle's think, Claw. I'd like to see. Somewhere. Do you think that's like a throughput thing? So they think like let's on busier days we'll run it on a shorter sequence. On quieter days we can spend more time and run it on a longer sequence. Do you think it it could be to do with throughput and guest capacity, or or do you think it's that they want to kind of play it safe? I don't know. It's an interesting question actually. Yeah, I mean, as far as I understand it, the option is there. I mean, you, you can program ride cycles and, and you can say, right, well, if it's really busy, then we do this. If it's quiet, then we do this. Sometimes it can be on full manual. I think Ripsaw used to run on, on manual, as far as I remember, Brett. Um, so it can depend. But I think these days, parks more and more are leaning towards those shorter cycles, unfortunately. Um, and, and, I mean, I go to parks often only at quiet times and even then they're on quite short cycles um so it's a little bit of a disappointing trend really at some parks you don't always get you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth or your waiting time's worth i don't think ripsaw did run on manual however it had far better settings than what it did run in its later years it still had those settings available it just never used them do you know what brett i'd love to get you on um Tanakin in Fantasyland because you're quite you love your top spins 
and I know and I know you love Ripsaw, but I'd love to see what you think of you know the Interman, the incredible um, Tolkien, just for everything about it, because that is. Is Tolkien so uh, intense? Is, is that Interman or is that just another Hus, but in like a? I'm pretty sure it's Interman, as far as I'm aware. I I, I thought it was still Hus. I could be wrong. Let me let me check. Stand by. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I that... thought it was a different Hus topspin model. Mm. I think it was if a it, later version. If it is a topspin, then it has to be a Hus, doesn't it? Otherwise, it'll be. A different um, yeah. I, as far as I know, it it was a topspin, but I've never been. I'm I'm just going off my random knowledge that I sometimes know for no reason. Sam's doing his research. Yeah. We need to, yeah. we need um like a countdown. Do 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 do. He was What's... incapable of googling quick enough. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, Brett. You are, of course. I should have never questioned your knowledge. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you're very right. It is a hus. Um, apologies there. That's fine. I um, didn't. I I wasn't a hundred percent sure myself, but I I just got this image of uh, you know the bit that's embedded into the rocks either mm, side, mm. um, and I know the gondola isn't the same, but I the the sides definitely are. I've just got this image in my head of it. Yeah, um, you're correct. Yeah. It is a hus, and I apologise. Well, it is to then to then to further my point. It is the best hus topspin I've ever it been on in my life. I blacked out actually during it. It was that intense. Um, and I actually had to get a drink and sit down for about twenty minutes afterwards because uh, I uh, it was it was that intense. It was oh goodness, but I really I really want to take you on that actually. Uh, but before the end of twenty twenty two, I will have taken you on that. Sounds, is, sounds a little bit ominous, but is there a, <laughs> is there a better side to sit on? Because obviously you can sit on both sides on Tolkien. So is it is the side facing? you know, the fire and stuff, is that better? Or facing the wall, is that better because you have that essential constant head chopper kind of thing going on? When we did it, oh, this was 2017 now, but from what I can remember, we did it facing the wall. Um, and that was kind of on purpose because I quite liked the mystery of not kind of being totally aware of where you were because you just had a constant brick wall in front of your face. Um, and you never kind of, knew when you were going to flip and it made the entire thing very disorientated but within its um sequencing it it changes around all the time anyway so it's not it doesn't necessarily totally affect the ride experience um because at the end of it you're just as dizzy as whether you sit on the front or the back i mean my <laughs> goodness but um I, i'll i'll get you on that we'll have to do a phantasing land trip at some point when we can because you will love that you will absolutely love that brill Right, so next news item, we've got uh, the Flame Theatre that's going to open uh, as part of Mythica at Legoland Windsor. So Sam, take it away, tell us all about it. Yeah, so th this is really interesting. A few years ago, if you remember, Blackpool uh, said they were going to bring a new uh, leisure uh, complex to the area to bring more trade in, um, even more trade, I guess. Um, and they were saying that it was going to be the UK's first flying theatre and they were very proud of that fact it was going to be this mega flying theatre well a few years down the line and it looks like that Merlin have beaten them to the punch and Legoland is going to have the very the UK's very first flying theatre interestingly though the manufacturer is looking to be Vacoma and not Dynamic so if you think of Soarin um, or uh, well, I'm just trying to think of the other flying theatres I know off the top of my head obviously Soarin's the one that 
construct uh, comes Avatar. Uh, is that Avatar. similar to a flying theater? Isn't it? The it is. Yeah. In a, um, in a way. And, and also Vongarium at um, or Vongator at uh, Europa Park as well. I'm pretty sure is dynamic. Um, so it's interesting. So this will be from a different manufacturer. How that will affect the experience, I'm not sure. What does look to be cool is that they're going to have three different types of journeys or stories or essentially ride experiences that you can take. Um, and they're going to vary in intensity. So easiest way to compare this to for me personally, uh, if you've ever done Mission Space out in Epcot, they have the orange and the green ride experiences, the green being less intense and the orange being far more intense. So I guess uh, what they're doing is by having these three different options var with, with varying intense sort of... Uh, levels of intensity uh, it's offering up those options to families so uh, places with much younger children or families with much younger children um, can ride it as well as you know the sort of preteen, sort of um, post kind of 10 year old market that um, are more on the top end of Legoland so it's very interesting to see that they've got this well really lack of a better phrase dynamic uh, flying theatre that is going to cater to all audiences um, and I think what's going to be cool about this one is that you know where we've seen dynamic attractions before you in soaring it being very kind of floating calm uh, more of a passe relaxing experience like a hand glider or whatever um, actually the full capacity of a flying theatre can do so much more in terms of movement, right? It can drop you and it can quite move you vigorously to make it more of a thrilling experience. And I think if anything, you know, we've seen that with other parks um, that go and use flying theatres. For example, shout out Warner Brothers World in Abu Dhabi. They have a Green Lantern flying theatre experience where it's just one single row of seats. But that is, is almost like a thrill ride. It's been called a thrill ride uh, by some because it, it drops and turns and is quite jolty. So perhaps at the top end of the um, intensity level of, of this flying theatre, uh, the flight of the skyline, I believe, is what is what it's built and going to be called. Um it's going to be quite intense and we're going to see it dropping and moving and starting and being quite jolty, perhaps more so, as well as, you know, the usual in-theatre effects, uh, perhaps smoke, um, smell pods, obviously, wind um, and water effects, perhaps, in the theatre. But it's going to be really interesting to see. And um, I, for one, can't wait to ride it when it opens on the 20th of May, I'm pretty sure. I think the thing I find quite intriguing about this, Sam, is, is you mentioned mm. it's got potentially three different versions of the ride. Now, mm. we we think that, that this ride, unlike some of the other attractions at Disney parks, mm. is only one one ride. It's, there is only the one room with the one ride in it. So, so do we think that this attraction is actually going to essentially stagger shows? So you say you queue for one that's a bit more intense you queue for another that isn't and then one queue goes in and they have a a different cycle for the same ride essentially do we do we think that's how they'll go about this yeah i, I think so uh, again I, i'm not I, I, that hasn't been confirmed that's purely speculation on my behalf um but i think yeah, I think the, the show building is, is, is big enough. But as we know, flying theatres are pretty massive show buildings anyway. Um, and I could imagine it almost running a bit like 
something like like a 4D theatre. If you've ever seen the 4D theatre in Lego, it runs with staggered shows um, on a kind of rotating basis. And I would imagine they do the same with this. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you have three cycles, three different movies to match uh, with different sets of sp- special effects and then just stagger the almost the shows um, for people that people that want to ride it. Or perhaps they could be three much smaller theatres as of such operating three different ride experiences perhaps i'm not sure but from what my speculation could be it could be one massive big building and therefore one ride system and they stagger it similar to how they've done the 40 theater again i don't know but um that is not confirmed in any way shape or form that is just my my purely my speculation yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one, especially them them coming out and saying that this is going to be a bit more uh, extreme, a bit more intense than, say, the other ones like Soaring. So, mm. yeah, I am, I'm excited to come down and, uh, and give that one a mm. look. So talking experience-led rides, uh, Fantasy Island have also announced that they're going to have a new ride called The Guardian. Seems to have a picture of um, a dragon on there. This looks like potentially um, a robot arm ride, but with VR. Shout out to Sibby uh, Vlogs, um, who has kind of cracked the code on this one. Because they've found um, a ride, uh, a robot arm made by BEC Rides, um, and it comes with um, a VR version. Uh, apparently Fantasy Island have liked his post, so that kind of suggests that he has cracked the code a little bit on that. So shout out to Sibby Vlogs. What do we think about this? This is going to be inside the pyramid. Uh, it's going to be an interesting addition. Do we think this is something that's going to be- really benefit the park? Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that this this uh, kind of cartoony looking graphic they put out with the, the, the mountain inside, uh, there was a dragon down the right-hand side, which, uh, and then down the left... Looked like it looked like the seats from a a, a Mondial top scan, um, so a lot of people were like, "Oh wow, they're bringing the beast back! That's going to be amazing." Uh, but it turns out that that we think that yeah, it's going to be this this robo arm kind of four seat robo arm kind of ride. Um, do you remember those days where everything was going to be a robo arm? Do you remember like every everything part was going to be a roller coaster with a robo arm on it and. Yeah, was there not some um, artwork done for the Dark Forest with a number of robot arms? There, yes. there was yeah. artwork done for multiple versions. There was Dark Forest version. Uh, there was a Forbidden Valley style kind of alien arms, which how incredible would that be mm. to to see essentially the arms of Nemesis use, like swinging riders around? It would just be incredible. Uh because in the original advert, uh, these arms burst out from the ground and grab people. Like it, it, it's the perfect ride for Forbidden Valley. But anyway, and that's another, that's another episode entirely. Um, they they did also, I think, do a, like a robotic thing that was kind of stuck in the ground. Um, they they designed an X sector version to go in the black hole tent. None of these actually happened. They were all concept arts. Uh, back in the days when these when these were the go-to attraction for for theme parks everyone wanted one but no one ever got one really yeah so i mean i i I was saying before i think potentially um this this would be a traveling version um 
usually the rides at Fantasyland are usually a travelling version, so it might be one of those things where they bring it in for a couple of seasons, maybe take it on the road and maybe bring it back, see how it goes. Fantasy Island seem to be on an interesting path at the moment because they don't have a massive amount of funds, but they do seem to be making an effort to create ride experiences now. Um, there's a couple of rides now where they've they've, they've spent a lot of effort on and theming the ride and, and turn it into an experience. And I think Fantasy Island are going in the right direction with theming uh, now. So do we think, you know, if, if they bring this robot arm ride in and we've got the Guardian and it's going to be a bit of an experience, do you think potentially some more of the rides in the park are going to, they're going to change them into more experienced rides rather than being, you know, kind of travelling rides in, in the park as they are at the moment? I've never actually been to Fantasy Island, so I can't, I don't, I can't necessarily really comment. Um, the only thing I can say is that I think the more that the UK industry and market both on the independent level as well as the big corporate companies the more they focus on immersive storytelling within their rides i think the more they're going to get to that european park or even american theme park standard um, that people kind of dream of when they look at parks overseas but i did want to actually uh shout down to you brett because you were talking about um an awesome thing that they did at uh fantasy island that not a lot of people knew about or even knew existed um i mean would you please share yeah so so it's quite interesting uh in this this thing that they released recently there was an image of of the the kind of rock mountain with the slide going around it that's actually inside this big pyramid building uh that's in the center of of the park the theming in there is actually has always been really good um it, it's a really interesting kind of indoor theme park in a way there's there's a, a dark ride there stuff like that uh there's the, the water slides that go down and round the mountain in the middle but only a few years ago and i don't remember seeing this advertised i only saw it because someone who i know who worked on it uh, happened to post it on their facebook um that this big mountain in the center of of this this big pyramid uh, gets full projection mapping and has this big story about uh, ab- about this kind of big island in the centre and and the whole thing turns into a volcano and it it's such an incredible almost Disney like projection mapping thing. Uh, it was created by Holoviz, um, so my my initial thought was maybe they would work with Holoviz again in the future. Uh, that you know they they heavily work on. Um, kind of interactive and kind of projections and stuff like that in in attractions. So, um, I fingers crossed they they start seeing that this storytelling incredible theming uh, actually looks brilliant. Um, there are videos online of it. I can't remember the name of it, but but if you can find it, check that out. It's 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 this little hidden gem that if you don't know about it, I don't think you'd ever see it. But it's incredible to think that there's a regular large-scale 3D projection mapping show that goes on every day in a theme park in the UK and no no one knows about it. It's uh, So it, it's definitely worth checking out if you're ever there. One of the events that I will never, ever, ever forget, uh, and that was incredible quality, 
almost surprisingly so, and I don't mean to say that in any rude way, um, was the Dragon Slayer event at Warwick Castle when they projection mapped like the entire interior of uh, the kind of castle grounds. So if you're not from the UK and you're not aware of uh, Warwick Castle, it's a big castle that we have here. Um, and as you enter the castle gates, you have these, these big uh, kind of high walls that create the kind of court for forecourt area. And essentially what they did is created a mapping projection show that projection mapped across these different walls as well as including like flamethrowers and actors and special effects and stunts and it only happened a few nights uh, in the summer obviously because it's primarily outdoors and British weather um, but when it did happen it was a huge success and it was of a really really good quality in fact they even did a jousting show beforehand as a part of the experience um, and then they get everyone to go charging up to finish off their kind of projection mapping spectacular evening under the night sky and it is it was absolutely fantastic you can definitely find videos online but i really hope similar to what you were saying brett that more parks especially in the uk look at investing in serious even if not daily just bi-monthly or whatever or even some special events where they really really put on impressive displays and shows uh, that matches that kind of international park quality yeah, I have found out it's called Mystical Mounting, the actual uh, centerpiece inside, and that's what they call the show. Uh, I think it's about the, the the actual mountain coming alive. I wonder, actually, with the, the dragon being next to this image of this new ride, uh, that this is actually going to be, you know, a dragon guardian of said mountain. So are they going to start, you know, creating a an almost park-wide story inside this building. I, um, They're definitely going down the right lines, uh, and I'm really interested to see what they do. Fingers crossed that that this goes really well for them and we start seeing more of these really cool storytelling attractions. Yeah, definitely. So talking about theming, talking about the company that does it the most, uh, finally, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the news coming out from Disney World. That it looks like they're going to start bringing in some facial recognition technology so um sam uh, this is one of your news items do you want to take us away and explain this one yeah absolutely so it's very interesting we've seen obviously over the last few months the rumors surrounding the slow disuse and discontinuation of magic bands um we saw they started utilising these apps or this uh, this uh, app that you can just get on your phone. Um, not the My Disney Experience app, but like a, a whole separate kind of like a Magic Pass um, um, ticket media app where you have everything on your phone, like contactless pay system, basically, a contactless ticket system, um, which you could use to access your hotel room and your park tickets and your dining and everything all in one. It's essentially what it is, is the... Uh, expansion of the My Disney Experience app where you could access your key, your room key card and your ticket media is basically what they've done and just put it into one app. But now what they've done is, I guess, because of the COVID and situations like that, they've actually now started um, testing facial recognition uh, for ticket media. So the whole idea is that for your park entry and your re-entry, uh, essentially takes... Uh, a picture of your facial features and this is also to help with i guess 
I guess uh, signing ticket media, assigning ticket media to the correct person and making sure there's no uh, discrepancy with that. Um, because especially as people are wearing face coverings, uh, it's harder sometimes to match the person with the ticket, right? Um, so this is just a further way to implement those changes. Um, but it's very interesting because they've started testing this at Magic Kingdom. Um, the process is apparently extremely efficient and it will um, apparently help long, help with some of the wait times uh, getting into the park, especially in those rush hour moments like, you know, rope drop or even um, sort of for the evening times where people come in last minute for the fireworks and you always get that kind of bottleneck. It would, you know, create a much more efficient contactless experience. But parks around the world have started doing this as well. So Farrah experiences the uh, theme park uh, operation chain that runs the uh, theme parks out in Abu Dhabi. So Ferrari World, uh, Yaz Water World and uh, Warner Brothers World. They've actually already started implementing facial recognition for their ticket media as well. Um, so I am almost positive that this is now going to be a new wave of ticket media and operations and entry that we're going to see come into theme parks more and more. You know, if you think what was it 10 years ago or maybe even more when we had that in airport security you know they started doing the facial scans to keep everything um more efficient rather than having individual uh members of staff checking ticket media obviously that kind of made it more simple with the with the magic bands in terms of disney uh, but now this has taken that one step further um so then does that pose the question of is this now gonna remove the need of members of staff i really hope not I, I i don't know if that's i think they're still going to need a certain level of on operations team on the front gates absolutely uh but it's definitely going to be interesting as to how it all plays out um as you were saying that there are other parks and stuff that are already using kind of you know facial recognition stuff uh, we have one right here in the uk that is going to do one this year Alton Towers released at the very start of this month that they'll be doing their DigiPass, their photo passes where you buy five or six photographs that you get sent digitally to your phone or whatever, uh, that that will now be based on facial recognition. So you'll have your photo taken as you buy your DigiPass. All of the rides obviously will take your, your photo regardless of whether you buy the DigiPass or not. And then um, based on facial recognition, they will just automatically send you your photos. Um, there obviously has been concern about, you know, people taking your photo and things, which I assume will be the same across the board, wherever you are, whether you're at a Disney park or not. Um, but Ontow has actually released a bit of information on how it works. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to just touch on that because I assume that it will use very similar technology in a way. Um, you have to be over 18 to use the, the Alton Towers version. Um, due to um, certain co uh, certain laws in this country. Um, but then also uh, the data will only be held for seven days. It will be handled the same as handling DNA. So it, it will be encrypted to the utmost uh, ability. They, they will go to extra lengths to make sure that this is extra safe and that the only purpose your photo is being taken is for it to make sure you get your photo from your ride uh, and, and that you get that and you don't get someone else's, you don't get Dave's 
who wrote three times ago on 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 Nemesis. It's it's interesting. I I definitely think we're going to see more and more of this come into play. Um, and I actually think, like like you know, you touched on there, Brett. I think it is and and can be used in a relatively safe way. And certainly, when you look at the likes of Parks using it for ticket media, it makes a lot of sense. You match match the face up with the ticket. Then there's absolutely no discrepancy as to who's a who's and 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 park safety i guess what would be creepier at alton towers is if you went up to a coke freestyle machine and it scanned your face and then knew what drink you wanted so for me it would be peach iced tea or lemon iced tea something like that for someone else it might be might be raspberry sprite or something or Sometimes you can kind of do weird things with the machine and have like vanilla, raspberry, orange, diet coke or something. Yeah, I I always <laughs> go like Dr Pepper and like some kind of weird, weird, uh, kind of vanilla or cherry Dr Pepper and stuff like that. I'm a I'm a peach iced tea boy myself, Ryan. So uh, I absolutely oh. agree with you on that one. Oh, Dr yeah, Pepper's well. always my go-to. <laughs> yeah, Dr Pepper's nice. How very southern yeah. of you, Brett. Very southern. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of, of this show. It's been quite a bumper episode, so we thank you for joining us. Make sure that you click the follow button um, or you subscribe to us. You can also find Theme Park Loopy on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, before we finish, though, Sam and Brett, do you want to just remind everyone where they can come and find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Theme Parks by Brett. You'll find all of my Theme Park related artwork and, and all of my other random opinions on, on Theme Parks. Yeah, you can absolutely find me also on Instagram at Coaster Sound Blog where we post news, opinion pieces and also our very own trivia game show. Get involved. Check it out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so thanks for joining us. It's been a really fun episode. The parks are opening soon, only a matter of weeks away now. So thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you again real soon.